Kia ora and welcome to the Stronger Dads Collective podcast, where we aim to help dads be stronger versions of themselves as fathers, people, and in their athletic pursuits. I'm your host, Hayden Pritchard, and you can find me at hjp underscore stronger dads on Instagram, and you can learn more about me at hjpmethod.co.nz. Before you finish listening today, be sure to rate and subscribe on the platform you're listening to. Right, let's get into today's episode. Kia ora and welcome to episode 53 of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. Today I am joined by a fellow Palmerstonian, although he was born in the US. Um, we're, we're not live and in person because sometimes my audio is funny, but we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, so Matthew is from the USA. He is a football referee and does that in a professional capacity. Uh, he's a former school teacher. Um, who actually now works at Sport 102, which is our local sporting organisation. So um, I'm sure we'll get into kind of the ins and outs of what that looks like um, day to day. He is a father of four. I don't know if I mentioned that, but all teenagers. So it must be an interesting um, phase of parenting and quite a different phase of parenting um, to me with the two-month-old and the three-year-old. So um, I'm interested to have a bit of a yarn today, see kind of how he balances all of these competing demands um, and just kind of get to know Matt, uh, Matthew, sorry, because <laughs> uh, we, we're yet to meet and we were linked up by um, a colleague who I used to work with and now works with Matthew. So um, I'm appreciative of him for linking us up and I'm really looking forward to having a bit of a yarn. So how are you going, Matthew? Great. Thanks, Aiden. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for, for having me and looking forward to our chat today. As you say, it is very different in terms of the parenting space, parenting that sort of the uh, opposite ends of the same scale. Although I have to say at times, parenting teenagers is very similar to parenting toddlers. So uh, <laughs> we probably have some similarities there as well. It was quite funny because actually my wife was saying something yesterday that when we, we went on a family camp over the Christmas time period um, and she had a I don't know if it was a mum or a dad or someone, but there was a coffee cart thing there and, you know, you're waiting for your coffees as you do. And the mum was a parent of teenagers and said something along the lines of, you know, it doesn't it doesn't get a hell of a lot easier as they get older, you know, like they, heaps of things are still the same. You know, they struggle to communicate and all of these things, just like they did when they were three. So, yep. um, <laughs> you're telling the tans- me the tantrums can be a, the tantrums can be a little bit bigger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's it's great. It's it's great seeing the 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 change, you know, in them and, and how quickly they do grow up um, and and how the relationship between us changes, you know, as we sort of move from parent to um, child relationship into a little more parent um, sort of adult. Uh, but it, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like it's a funny period of time, I think, even like, you know, when I look back at myself being that age, it's you know, you sort of don't quite feel like you're growing up, but you are and you want all this responsibility and your parents may or may not be willing to give that to you. So it is yeah. definitely, you know, there's a there's a whole lot of development going on at that phase. So yeah. it is one of those times that I'm look I'm kind of looking forward to because I think that's when I, you know, probably that time when I started to develop a bit more of a like friendship with my mm-hmm. parents to an extent mm-hmm. as well, because it's not so much just a not dictatorial, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. when you're a little kid, you kind of, you have to do what your parents say and there's not much autonomy and all of those sorts of things because, you know, there's only so much autonomy you can give to a three-year-old um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they're not going to be able to self-manage some of these things. Although <laughs> I don't know if the teenagers can sometimes either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I was listening to one of your previous episodes and, and I can't remember who it was, but the guest said something about, you know, you have to remember that you know, there are these creatures that don't necessarily have rational thought and, and, yeah. um, 
you know, there's, they, they can change on a dime. You know, I think you mentioned something about making toast and now it's yeah. one of triangles. Now it's not triangles. And, yeah. and I was like, you know, it is actually the, so similar at times where you go, yeah. actually, that's right. There's a lot of rewiring going on, a lot of, a lot of cool things happening in the brain, but we can't see it. Mm. And, um, and, you know, just sometimes it's important to take that step back and go, that's right. They're not quite rational again. And we can, um, you know, how do we kind of maneuver that around? So there's, mm. again, as you say, that growing autonomy, right? So it's, it's, uh, yeah, how you develop that to where they, they feel entrusted and empowered to, to step into that next state. And we also feel, I guess, safe enough to empower them to yeah. do so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, I imagine it's a fine balance. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So, so tell us a little bit about your childhood, mate. I know that you grew up in the US, mm -hmm. uh, which is obviously a fair bit different to probably where you live now in terms of the environment and all that sort of stuff. But what was it like growing up? Um, you mentioned you were born in Texas, but yep. you didn't grow up there. So, so what was it like for you, man? Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Athens, Georgia. Um, I mean, I we again born in Texas. We lived actually in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, for a little while. I don't really remember that, although I there's a, some vague memories about being in a pool. Um, apparently, that was the first time I saw rain, and, and I stepped out, and I was just un, like moving from Texas. They're you know very dry and whatever, and. Uh, apparently, I was quite fascinated with what is this wet stuff falling from the sky, of course, because you could time in South Florida, you can time the your set your watch by the thunderstorms in the summer wow. around between about two o'clock. You know, they, they roll through. But um, uh, yeah, so I grew up actually in Athens is not that dissimilar to Palmy. Uh, it's a university uh -huh. town. Yeah, um, it is the different setup in that uh, the university is right in the middle of town in Athens. So. Uh, the University of Georgia is there. It's also a big music town. So uh, the four, basically the four main blocks were um, kind of, you know, restaurants, some mm. bars. So the, the REM, the B-52s, um, other, it's called the 40 Watt Club, which is a, which was REM's kind of club that started, you know, big music scene. And of course, a lot of the bands that made it big, came through Athens, played at Athens. I never really experienced that because I, I left before I could uh, get into the bars. And plus, I was pretty serious in my sport, so I wasn't really yeah. downtown much. But um, similar, although it's warmer in Georgia, but we get all four seasons there. Uh, and but about the same, yeah, about the same size. Again, it would it'd be really busy during the semester when the students were all in and then it would uh, kind of empty out a little bit over the summer. So honestly, not not dissimilar, you know, friendly people. Um, so my wife and I, uh, just as a, I guess as an example, we lived for a year in California and both of us felt really a bit of culture shock in terms <laughs> of, you know, this is unlike either place that we were familiar with. And then we, when we then we were back in Athens for a while. And she, again, she felt, oh, this is, again, similar sort like of rural. Home. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so not dissimilar. And um, so I grew up in a, a family. Of, well, I've got five. Well, I'm one of five. So uh, an older brother and, and three sisters. So I'm good old middle child syndrome. Um, and we, um, yeah, it was I, I played sport. I was I played soccer, football uh, growing up. Um, I didn't play any other. I played maybe a season or two, like at the YMCA of basketball. But I didn't yeah. play baseball. I didn't play American football. Uh, I was always my because my brother started playing 
soccer and and um and i remember from as a kid i really want to be a i want to represent my country mm. uh, on the on the soccer field and um i was a goalkeeper and so i was pretty pretty focused around around that and um but we actually so my mom was a career educator uh she taught every age from um kindergarten through to university level oh, wow. and so yeah. she actually and her dream is actually to teach us so we actually spent the first three years uh or first three i think uh homeschooling mm. and so which was which was which was kind of cool and then um we went to school for about three or four years again if i think rightly and then um actually finished i actually went all the way through high school uh homeschooling and um yeah which was again, a different experience, especially in the States. It's, you know, yes, they're especially more, it's becoming more and more and more common now. Um, yeah. we were probably, you know, on the kind of the, the, the beginning in sort of wave of that, but it enabled us certainly myself. Um, you know, we learned at our pace, I guess, which was mostly, and, and we were encouraged to kind of pursue, stuff that we were really interested in as well and um it was it meant that you know as a teenager i was able to quickly get a, a part-time job and so i would study you know do complete all the schoolwork during the the morning and then work in the afternoon and then train and um my, my wife yeah. actually did something quite similar with her schooling she was homeschooled for high school um, I think it was the entire of her high school time. And she actually did like a US curriculum because I don't yeah, think there yeah, was a yeah, yeah. New Zealand curriculum at the time. Um, or there may have been, but it might have been a bit different. Um, and so she did that. But one of the things was it, like that she did as well was that exact same thing. She was kind of able to learn a little bit faster and not, you know, not have to wait, I guess, for other people in the classroom. You know, like I guess that's one of the disadvantages of a of a school with, you know, yeah. a lot of children is that it is harder, right? Because you kind of you're trying to cater to everyone. Um, yep. And I remember when I grew up, you know, I, we had that to the extreme because I went to a primary school. One of my primary schools had literally just one junior class and one senior class. Right. So you essentially had, you know, multiple, year, you know, age gaps between everyone in both yeah. those classes. And yeah, one of them, the principal was the bus driver and the school teacher for the senior class. So it was a, a, a real rural school, you know, but that was primary yes. school. Um, yeah. But one of the things with that is how did the kind of sporting side work for you? during that time period because obviously at least from a new zealand perspective a lot of the way that we do sport in high school is you know it's organized by the Just high school to be school. representing the school team how mm. did that kind of work was there other you know avenues to do that was it clubs over there um and how did you kind of manage that social side as well like in terms of did you have any sort of youth groups or anything like that that you went to how did that kind of work yeah uh the clubs the the youth um, soccer system in the in the states is different in that it, it does you, you go you are part of that club all the way not all the way through but you know what I mean mm. um, so there there are you know under 16 under 17 under 18 under 19 teams and competitions so and then the high school season was only it was a pretty set time during the spring I think it was maybe maybe it was 10 weeks, maybe uh, uh, during the spring. And so you could play. And then there was a shorter club um, season at the end of that. And then, but fall, the fall was the main time that you had. Your, so you could play, you could play school club um, and, and high school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't go, I, I could have gone that route, but I didn't actually play for a high school, which looking back, there's, 
elements that I I missed that I, I'd always mm-hmm. kind of thought about it, but I, I there were there were elements that I missed about that. But by that stage, I was starting to referee as well, so oh, okay. I was able to kind of balance uh, or or start to pick up and and take the refereeing was starting to be a, a, a I guess an opportunity, and especially in the states, you can make more money um, as a as a young referee in, yeah. on, on that phase. So that was that was okay. So I was getting my my I guess fill in that side and then we would have a bit of a spring season to to play and then the the, the bulk uh, yeah. otherwise so yeah it was uh, it wasn't again there's some there's sometimes I think oh I wish I'd played for my school but I, did, <laughs> but I didn't and then on the social side yeah I had um uh, a youth group that I was involved with and um so we had yeah socializing was kind of a yeah kind of a, a thing and then i don't know we just I, I didn't really i was pretty i was a pretty serious kid growing <laughs> up so um i didn't i didn't kind of miss it um, in fact all my like my teammates you know were starting to they probably there were a few of them that were as serious as i was about the about the game and and whatnot and about training but they were starting to kind of get into a bit of drinking, partying, and that was mm-hmm. just not my scene at all. So I yeah. wasn't too, I wasn't too phased about missing missing some of that. Um, yeah. And I, I think um, I have been told that I have, you know, I was <laughs> able to kind of pick up enough social skills that, it's, <laughs> you know, I've somehow not ended up as that because there's that stereotype, right? That there is a stereotype. You can, you can yeah. be a little bit of the awkward homeschool. And um, I think I've I've either grown out of it or I've somehow been able to pick up enough social skills to, <laughs> to, to get on the other and side. And it's funny, isn't it, that you do kind of have this yeah. like you know, inbuilt thing, like, oh, they didn't go to high school, they were home. Yeah. They might be a bit different, you know. Like, it is a weird little stereotype that's just kind of in your head. But to be honest, yeah. I, you know, if I, if Sasha hadn't told me she was homeschooled, I wouldn't have known just because yeah. I didn't see anything like that. Yeah. Uh, from her personally, aside from her love of books, but um, you know, I I also have that, so that's not a problem. No. <laughs> so, how did you end up then getting from this, you know, American town to ending up in New Zealand? How did how did that kind of happen? Yeah, so I left, finished high school, and then, or you know, finished that that year as uh, when I was eighteen, and then went on to a sort of a leadership training program in Canada, which yeah. connected me. So that I spent eighteen months doing that. And um, I'd been accepted to the university in the States, but, um, and, and even to play, um, to play soccer, but uh, I wasn't sure if I really wanted to do that. And I, wa- I did, mm-hmm. for some reason, want to travel. And so the, the time in Canada kind of reaffirmed that. And I ended up connecting with um, um, some work over in Denmark. So went over there. And um, was there for about a year, and that's where um, I met my wife, who was traveling or been to be. Uh, she was traveling. We worked together for a month, hit it off, and kind of with the. I had the flexibility. She was coming out. She'd already done her teaching degree, so she had to come back and do her registration. So yeah. she was more pressed than I was. I was still, I had again, I hadn't studied, so I was kind of free and easy, and um, followed her this way, much to my mother's chagrin. <laughs> and uh, we kind of realized, you know, the distance obviously between New Zealand and, and the States was, you know, substantial. So I was like, well, if we're going to do this thing, let's, you know, kind of see if it's actually going to work. And um, yeah, so then 
so that was in oh uh, I must have come out in October of um, 2000 and then um, no I think it was August and then by October we were engaged and then by April of 01 we were married and yeah the rest was kind of history and so when did you do the teaching degree then amongst that so so after that uh, so I worked for uh, when I was here I was I actually worked at Massey for in the um, enrollment office for uh, for about 18 months and then got a, a role over back in the states so we went back in um, 03 I think if my math's about right um, that must be right yep and then uh, so worked for a year in California mm. um, we it, terrible fit didn't it just didn't work for us. We moved back yeah. to Georgia where we um, had our first, well, our son, our first child. And um, and then in 06, decided, actually, I need, if I'm pursuing, and then, and there was a lot of sort of like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And now we've got, now I've got a, got a uh, one on the way. And um, <laughs> so what are we going to do? And I really want to pursue the, the refereeing side of things, seeing that as a real pathway. Uh, again, this, you know, as a kid, I'd, wanted that to be at the highest level and I ha- had made it as a player and could see it, could see that there was an opportunity mm. as a, um, as a referee, because when I was here in a one referee, I, I, one of the things that one of the first things I did actually before I moved to New Zealand was to contact New Zealand football and say, Hey, cause I refereed over in Denmark as well. Oh, I okay. said, Hey, I've done, I'm, I'm refereeing at this level, you know, and I was able to slot right into the, to the national league. And at the time, um Manawatu had Young Heart Manawatu then there was Hawks Bay up the road and Wellington obviously not far so it was all within driving distance and they weren't I was an assistant referee at that time I was very much you know coming up the ranks so I had plenty of matches that I could drive in between to to get to mm-hmm. so being in Palmy was actually really good at that time and so I could see a pathway into wow if, you know I was working with FIFA referees, which I'd never really come across in the States yet, right? They were always these sort of hallowed beings that, you know, (laughs) if you were in the presence of one, I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) And um, so then I was was refereeing almost every other week with a a FIFA referee from, uh, you know, at that time. And so I could see, and if I, there's an opportunity here. And um, so fast forward again, so back to deciding actually I want to pursue refereeing, but I could see that, you know, you can't do that full time, um, especially with, with the family. And, um, so teaching, you know, I like working with people, Mm. well, let's, let's go into teaching because, um, it's flexible, they're good holidays and, uh, I can, I could see myself doing that and pursuing the refereeing side of things. Yeah. So that's what led me to then, Training back here, it was a it was only a three year degree versus a four in the states. It was half, nearly half the cost, yeah. and um, and then uh, with teachers, you know, Massey Teachers College here, uh, my wife's family was here, so she was going to teach full time while you know that we and we were actually going to live. In fact, we did live with them when we moved back, uh, so that you know my son was kind of looked after. And um, but lo and behold, before we got back, we ended up. Um, pregnant with number two <laughs> so my so my daughter so it kind of threw a bit of a spanner in the works but um so in terms of uh, of 
you know, my wife kind of had to, she felt like she, she said she, yeah, had to make that call to the principals on, oh, you know, that job we've got lined up. Actually, we've got, uh, we're going to have to put that on hold. And um, <laughs> so it was, yeah, so we juggled certainly full-time parenting with, with two and um, and lived with our in-laws for a while and, and um, while I studied. And then that was out. We, so she grew up in Opaki. We kind of yeah. lived lived out there uh for the first I think nearly a year which was great for the kids my son's you know time with his grandparents there was just phenomenal um mm. in fact we're just in the phases now of they're they're having to move into town we're just looking at open homes and trying to get them they need to mm. they need to be close and um the memories that he has you know growing up uh, effectively some really formative time out out in the country it was just amazing so wouldn't wouldn't trade cool. that for the, for anything and um yeah so then moved into into pami and then um finished the finished the teaching career uh training and then yeah worked for about nine about nine years full-time teaching yeah so so if, can i just rewind things back a little bit as well sure. just thinking because i'm just thinking of this refereeing piece has kind of started like quite early on you mentioned that that started pretty much in your teenage years was there any like formal development or training paths that you kind of went or was it just like get us like pass some refereeing exam and get experience on the pitch? Like what did it kind of, how did that work and what did it look like? And has it evolved since? Like, have you noticed that it, the training programs are better? There's more referees, less referees. Like what's that evolution been like for you as a ref? Fantastic question. Uh, it was s- simply go and do a, a referee course. I mean, I remember doing my course at the YMCA in Athens, uh, a legend of Georgia soccer instructing a guy named Joe Tishy and um, one of our, so uh, well, who got me into it was my soccer coach, who was also, yeah, sort of my, my brother's coach as well, a guy named Jack and Jackie Houston. And they, um, they led this certification that was down in the basement of the YMCA uh, all weekend long, you know, sort of in the classroom. And then we did a little bit of practicing of holding a flag and blowing a whistle. Yeah. And then once, so that was a basic certification through Georgia soccer and through, through USSF. And then it was just, yeah, into refereeing into, um, um, under, under tens at the time. And then you just, you know, just kind of working my way up and, and in the state system, you can only referee, uh, two years, you have to be two years older than the, um, youth you're refereeing. And so, oh, yeah. so, so you being was, a teenager. Yeah. So I started at 15. I got my, I got my certification when I was 15. And so I was refereeing under tens, under 12s. So I did that for, yeah, for a, a while and then slowly work your way. I was just slowly, you know, as I got older, the opportunities to, to do more, games but i mean even though it sounds crazy but even those games were certainly a lot of learning um and but the thing about refereeing and this is where um so i i had the privilege of being if i fast forward i had the privilege of doing my masters of sport management focusing on what i call holistic referee development and yeah. part of that was because my experience through all this and seeing all this is that actually not a lot has changed since 1995 when i first trained and that so much is done so you learn the you learn the laws of the game or the rules of the competition and 
you might learn how to blow a whistle. Not necessarily. They just hand you one. You kind of have to figure it out. And then um, and then learn how to sort of where to stand on the, 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 the field or where not to stand. And then so much is it's really only learned through um, in-game experience, which um, actually I think there's there are much better ways to develop referees now, especially now. Uh, you know, I um, can see that the, the opportunity and we and I think we I think there is a real need to develop refereeing in a very different way because unfortunately there is a huge attrition of referees. So so mm-hmm. um, uh, globally there is about a thirty percent. Um, attrition of referees annually and um, more and more now are most most sports have um, a shortage in fact yeah. all sport have a, have a shortage and it and primarily it comes down to um, referees and especially young referees or just or or younger and inexperienced referees being um, uh, abused either verbally physically emotionally in some senses um, in, a, in early experiences in game and not having that development or or skills or or the the, the broader organizational support to to kind of deal with that and move forward um and that would be extra yeah. challenging as well when you're coming in doing this at that age you know you're, you're probably a bit younger if you know a lot of people would be quite younger when they're first mm. trying this mm-hmm. they don't have the confidence because they haven't probably refereed enough games and that sort of thing and you're probably also doing it in a near voluntary capacity. If you're getting paid, you're lucky. So it's like <laughs> there's all of these reasons. Well, why would I continue doing this when people are just going to yeah. abuse at me? Yeah. And no one's developing me, you know, to get my confidence up. It kind of makes yeah. sense that yeah. you're going to drop out. Like you don't have to go spend long on a on a sideline, you know, down at fields and <laughs> to see a referee get something yelled at him from a parent or a, you know spectator. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Or even yeah. just, I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't even in that sense have to be uh, abuse. Just, you know, it, it's it, going out there and and ha- making decisions and saying no to people. There's not often space yeah. where actually you, you know, a, a lot of the job is actually going, no, this is the way it is. <laughs> and as a, yeah. as a teenager, uh, we, again, and, and especially nowadays that, you know, um, and if you're refereeing your peers, then that's mm. even more pressure, right? Because you know, but the the greatest sin of teenagehood is to be embarrassed or to you yeah. know kind of stand out. That 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 need for belonging is so strong that it's like, oh, I, I you know, um, I don't I don't want to make a decision that people are going to not like. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it's it's not a it does attract. I guess there's a certain temperament probably that yeah. That, are, are drawn to it um uh, but i but I, again i think that's partly how we present refereeing as well to um to players to coaches to to fans and 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 i think we can do that i'd like to think that we can do that in a, a different way yeah yeah is there any sort of like um this is very, probably a very left field question but is there any sort of like combined referees associations because obviously whether you're refereeing rugby football you know whatever it is there's going to be a whole lot of shared experience and similarities that go 
along that you know some of those things you're talking about saying no mm. to people um <laughs> you're talking about you know refereeing your peers all those sorts of things like is there anything that's combined like that new zealand internationally whatever where people kind of get brought together to i guess develop that shared collective there there is not there are uh certainly within new zealand uh, at the moment there there really there really isn't part of that is because um sport new zealand don't have a a, a pathway for refereeing yet oh, yeah, um it's yeah. one thing that i'm really uh, i'm very passionate about seeing um shift mm. and and slowly i think that message is getting through um because so refereeing has been seen as as merely volunteers even at the um at, at any level of the game and so depending it's very sort of ad hoc depending on the the code is whether it's involved whether how i guess knitted into their strategic plan so yeah Sometimes they stop at the national level. Sometimes there's they, sometimes they do go through to the international level. Say, hey, like there is a pathway. Like rugby, you know, kind of recognize yeah. there is a professional pathway. Football don't really recognize there's a professional pathway. It sort of stops at the national at the national phase. But but ultimately there needs to be an overarching kind of um, pathway to say, just like they have with players. You know, mm. certainly in this country they have a you know they've got a sort of a player development pathway. They have a coach development pathway now. Uh, they don't yet have that for refereeing. And so, um, again, we I think there's a there's need for it, a real need for it, because it would bring a lot of um, a lot of a lot more unity around how different codes develop again, develop people and and have and end up with really good referees out of it. There are a few associations internationally that are just kind of I think loosely um mm. associated but but not uh and some codes i know in the states work a little bit together um but not a lot um yeah so it's reference i guess, still, I guess for me like yeah yeah particularly in new zealand when you think about that you know we, we there's not going to be a whole lot of referees in total because mm. you know our total population size is quite small so kind of when i think of new zealand i think well that would be something where there would be logic to having yep. a combined code you know, collective or something where people can kind of share those experiences and learn and develop. But I guess there's also that patch protective mentality to an extent in many sports as well, right? Like, I don't know if you're if you're a football referee and you go and you see a rugby referee. I don't know if man, you're like, oh, maybe I should try referee rugby, and then football might be worried they're going to lose you type of thing. I don't know. Um. <laughs> yeah, there can be a little bit of that. There can be a little bit of that, and uh, the which is I think sad because actually, if you're a really good, if you can referee a sport well um i think there is an opportunity that you could probably mm. do the same thing in another code you've seen that a little bit with I, there's a couple of now rugby players that came from netball mm. here that are now um they're now refereeing i think even on like the npc or the the um the yeah i think it's npc yeah. level um so so you do see it um and and yeah i agree with you there's there is absolutely a a, a case for it um i actually wrote a um i, I wrote the proposal but didn't get to the presentation point to actually mm. have refereeing um presented on at the as part of the halberg awards here ah, because again yeah, yeah. again we need if we can elevate the 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 platform um yeah. of refereeing and and we have some phenomenal referees in this country across different codes you know in terms of um you know i mean you look at what ben o'keefe mm. um accomplished it in, in france and um you know that's 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 huge. 
Um, but, and then the quality of the refereeing, you know, we've had, uh, in fact, she's Palmy based Angela Armstrong Lush in the netball space. She refereed, Mm. um, I think it was comms game. I want to say, um, gold medal match, uh, in, in netball. Um, you know, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to, to referee, uh, you know, a couple of pinnacle events, which has been great. Um, Mm. You know, we definitely do a really good job at the at the highest level of the game, and um, so we, we we should be celebrating um, yeah. refereeing and and again raising that as a platform that hey, the more that we actually could work together, uh, to, we benefit all of sport, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, a rise what is it? A rising tide lifts all boats. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so thinking of that, like we've we've kind of talked, I, I always feel like these things I kind of get on this, like, all right, let's get the storyline. And then I like just take it on in all these tangents. So yeah. it's all good. <laughs> um, but I just wondered kind of, you mentioned about those pinnacle events and you've mentioned a bit about the development of refereeing. Like, how did you kind of, I guess, get to that next step? Like, oh, I could take this internationally and then kind of mm. get those opportunities. Because I imagine being in little old New Zealand, you know, for the last 20 odd years you mentioned, um, I don't imagine like, you know, the FIFA association is kind of looking for referees in New Zealand. So how does that opportunity kind of come about? Yeah, we, um, so the first point, I guess the first part is getting there and understanding that how much refereeing is actually a marathon event, not a, not a sprint event. So I had this goal that I wanted to, again, because I studied late, I'd wanted to, um, have my, finish my degree and become, and be a FIFA referee by 30. And yeah. uh, I did that as a as a as from the education side of things, but I didn't quite get there as a um, as a as a referee. I I didn't. I think it was well. I, I got on when I, in 2013. So yeah, that must have been 32. Um, if I do the maths, if my maths <laughs> is accurate. Um, so the development side was yeah, and I missed and actually I missed it um, appointment by one year i thought i was i thought i was going to be um get that nomination because it is again it's based on so around the world it's based on your performance on the field and and referees get assessed even at the local level most referees get assessed at least every couple of games so somebody comes and says and now they you know it's either coaching or but it's you know somebody saying yep those are correct decisions these are incorrect. And it used to be very much like you were, again, it was out of 10. You could never get higher than a, generally, you could never get higher than an eight, maybe an eight and a half. So you always knew that you were on a, um, like, you're never going to be perfect, even though we were told to be perfect, but you know, you're never <laughs> going to get there. Um, and then, yeah, then there's a, there's a whole raft of uh, very, like, even to the way you're dressed, you know, do you, you know, do you look professional, um, uh, to decision-making, you know, you're, you're assessed on them, tick, tick, ticks. And so then that, that goes into a bit of a ranking and, and whatnot. And, um, so, and then from that point you then, and within New Zealand, you're nominated, there's a referee committee. And then we actually have another subcommittee of that called the appointments panel that, um, that, appoints people to the different levels of of competition and of course the mm-hmm. highest one is to be nominated as a fifa referee so those no the, and again what, what does that mean same. sorry just to clarify so being a fifa referee does that speci- so, is that specifically world cup or is that other events as well 
So uh, the FIFA, the FIFA refereeing panel is, um, and I can't tell you the exact numbers, but it's a, it's the, it's the top, um, let's say, ten percent of. I think it's less than that, but let's say the top ten percent of referees, right, around the world. Yeah. Um, so those are all every country and uh, within a confederation. So we we sit within the um, Oceania yeah. confederation. Um, each country get has has a certain allocation depending on the level of their game and and the quality of the officials that are kind of there. A certain number of um, referees and a certain number of assistant referees, and then there's also futsal FIFA referees and futsal uh, sorry, and beach soccer referees. Oh, yeah. And so, um, oh, and now there's also video match officials, so VMOs. Mm. Um, uh, so those, yeah, so there's a set number of those. Those, So names get forwarded to, um, so they sort of, you know, the group from New Zealand then gets forwarded to OFC. And then if they get approved there, which is basically once, if they're approved there, then you know, they're sent to FIFA and unless there's something major that FIFA are like, mm, we d- we've seen this person or you've got too many or something, um, then they'll, then, then I guess it's rubber stamped and you get a, um, that happens annually. So you have to be reappointed mm. every year. And, um, and so we just, in fact, we just this week, actually, we've just gotten our new FIFA badges. I'm just trying to look around. I've <laughs> got one over there, but yeah, so it means that you get to wear the, the FIFA badge on your chest um when you are refereeing at any level of competition and then it makes you eligible to um for confederation events so there are there's obviously things that happen at the confederation level yeah um there's champions league and there's 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 world cup qualifying and olympic qualifying and um age group tournaments um that happens in the in the confederation and then out of only fifa referees eligible to basically apply to be involved in those tournaments. Like if you don't have your FIFA referee ticket, there's not a chance you'd referee at a confederations level or anything like that. They'll, they use now in this, especially in OFC, they use, um, well, another confederations as well. They'll use maybe they'll, they've created sort of an OFC badge to say oh, your okay. potential, your potential. And so, um, come to like an age group tournament. So they might do the, they might have, uh, invite, um, um, those referees to say an under 17 tournament or an under 16 qualifying tournament or something where they're, it's not the same level of competition, but it's exposure into that international level. Phase. Yeah. 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 And then, um, but then, but when it comes to world cup qualifying, when it comes to certain, um, so like at the professional level, uh, generally speaking, you are either, uh, you're a FIFA referee, certainly in New Zealand, um, so those that are now um, involved on the like the A League, um, all but one is a um, is a FIFA official. Uh, I see. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then again, yeah, certainly at the Olympic and World Cup level, you have to be a FIFA referee. And then again, that goes through a, um, <coughs> a process. And we don't, so we don't apply in that sense. We, I can't, I, I can ask my sort of boss, uh, my manager. <laughs> you know, Hey, am I being nominated for this? I think, you know, but, um, but it's down to our performance and then down to, we have to, somebody else at that, um, uh, committee level has to nominate us to, to the next wow. step. Hmm. So it's quite, it's quite a process then to getting to that level. Yeah. And you said your, well, I think I read your world cup, your first world cup was at 2018. 
Yeah. Was that your first? Did you do Olympics before World Cup? Yes. So I refereed at oh, the. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yep. And then I, I've I also refereed. So I, my first FIFA tournament was in 2015. It was actually the under 20 um, FIFA World Cup in um, here in New Zealand. So that was yeah. really cool. Um, the the first first gig being here. And then um, yeah. So I've actually refereed now 10 um, FIFA World Cup um, tournaments. So between. Yeah age group tournaments but then the the highlights of those of course are the um yeah olympics in 2016 in rio and then world cup 2018 and then um olympics in 2021 in japan yeah. and the, 20, um, the 2020 olympics in 2021 yep that's right <laughs> and then uh and then um i refereed in 2020 uh 2022 Two. in yeah. qatar yeah in doha that's yeah it, it's crazy like what what is it like being at one of those events because you sort of think of the olympics and i know with football there's only a certain number of older athletes isn't it that they're allowed per team Mm -hmm. but what was that kind of environment and i guess when you when you got told you were going to be going or that you were nominated what was that kind of like because you mentioned you wanted to represent your country at something and i guess this is kind of you know a a way of representing the country isn't it i mean you don't do you get to wear anything that shows that you're new zealand or how does that kind of work (laughs) No, unfortunately, we don't. We don't really get to. Uh, yeah. We are technically kind of from from FIFA or even from oh, and that's okay. from OFC. They do when they the closest thing is when they announce our names um, in terms of the match officials. They say where we are from on the yeah um, on the screen, but they don't like they don't um, tell us like we don't get a in that sense an anthem or a. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We, I, we don't get to wear a little flag you no know, armband or anything yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> um it would be cool i think um because there's always neutrality anyway so we would never yeah. referee new zealand um or even ofc teams um, oh wow it's to that yeah. level you can't even yeah. represent... oh okay okay australia australia are asian now aren't they they're in the asian confederate is that right correct correct yeah. but um even that at the moment they've not i don't know uh the appointments uh, i've not refereed australia yeah uh, yet so um yeah but yeah. um yeah so there's it, it definitely is uh we've always kind of had this mantra that we are absolutely representing new zealand on mm-hmm. the um on the world stage and and hugely proud of that as well so especially in in i guess 2016 was was really exciting to be a part of um you know the first it was everybody gets excited about the olympics because even at the I mean, it was kind of cool, actually, at the the under twenty World Cup. I was uh, appointed as fourth official on the final, and so um, we do get medals for that if you're yeah. if, um, with the finals and the and the third and fourth place game. And so um, we, when I got my medal, actually the crowd in Auckland really like they gave a really good cheer. It was it was actually really it was, felt really nice. Um, yeah, because they they were aware aware that i was you know as a kiwi referee representing representing them at this uh, at this tournament so um and then yeah but then when it comes to the olympics everybody gets excited about the olympics people that don't (laughs) really pay a lot of attention to refereeing are all of a sudden like wow you're you know you're going to the olympics i was i was teaching primary school at the time and uh, of course you know the kids are really excited about that uh as well so that you know the school community excited about um the olympics so uh yeah it was definitely definitely really exciting but once we get there you know i've i've been to now obviously enough refereeing uh, or enough fifa events fifa seminars tournaments you 
um, the the experience of them are are kind of similar in that mm. you know there's a there's always a, a pretty set formula like we always have a about a week long seminar kind of before and especially now we we work um, there's always you know there's we spend about three hours in the classroom every day and about three hours on the pitch training with players um, every day. Uh, so you get into just the grind of of we call it Groundhog Day uh, of of a tournament. So you, the the excitement of that I guess um, kind of does not always as kind of palpable at, at <laughs> times. But um, uh, and then we I've not yet been able to get to a to a opening ceremony at the Olympics. So we had um, we were our first match was in Manaus uh, in 2016. So we had to fly over to the Amazon, which was really cool. But um, so and they weren't even televising uh, a lot of the the event actually on oh, local wow. um, on local television. So we didn't uh, or maybe it was just really, really grainy. We didn't get to watch very much of it. So I was kind of yeah. lacked it. And we were we were refereeing the next day, I think. So we was like, you know, conscious of making sure we we're getting sleep and um, acclimatizing yeah. and that sort of it's thing. It's always so, the challenge when you're like you know, you hear of the athletes that are involved in the event, you know, like that might be those days before the Olympic starts or afterwards. And then they're like, yeah. Oh man, you kind of miss this big um, experience, you know, which is probably part of, part of being at the games for a lot of, people. Yeah. a lot of athletes as well as that kind of, you know, makes it real, I guess. Yep. Yeah. 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 Sure. So, so you don't travel with the New Zealand, New Zealand Olympic committee or anything. When you go to an event like that, you're all like a FIFA official basically. And you're fully FIFA I guess nation. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So and and even you know the fact that even at a even at a FIFA tournament we don't stay. There's a FIFA delegation that kind of run I guess the event, um, and we are are separate to that. Uh, and and um, again, part of that is to make sure that there's no undue influence um, mm. or opportunities for that. Uh, so um, yeah, but it and it became an it and it was really an issue uh during covid and uh, you know for for japan we had a lot of work to do around um and that was probably the closest space where we actually did really work together across code officials mm. to um to lobby and to organize what we were doing in terms of getting to the games and back um quarantine the whole the, all of that mm. scenario um which was yeah, which was really, really challenging and very. Um, it, actually, that time was was um, yeah, hugely, um, hugely challenging for me. And and actually, that that quarantine coming back was probably one of the toughest things I've done. Um, and uh, and yeah, actually, sort of suffered with you know sort of mental health actually mm-hmm. um, on the back of all that. So. Um, yeah, it, not not easy. Um, yeah, and, and part of that was that yeah we didn't have an advocate. You know, FIFA flew us over, and you know we knew that we were going to be able to sort of get over and get back, but but the advocacy, you know, with just stopped um, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, yeah, it was challenging. Yeah, yeah. And how so? So thinking of being a referee in football, football is a very you know aerobically demanding mm-hmm. game, and obviously being the referee, you kind of have to be everywhere that the players are almost about mm-hmm. to see everything mm-hmm. has the training over the years been pretty intensive and obviously your career spanned quite a long time now mm. like um 
how's that kind of been in terms of fitness and training and that type of stuff? Like, is it demanding? I don't think people kind of appreciate the performance of referees in terms of physicality as well. I remember I was involved in some um, testing of, I think they were rugby union referees, like NPC referees came to Palmy mm-hmm. and we did a whole bunch of pre-season testing on them sort of thing. And, you know, some of them are really athletic. A lot of them are really athletic, but all of them are really, really fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the same for you? And has that been quite a demanding thing for you? Yeah, absolutely. Fitness is a huge component, uh, especially the, and the New Zealand referee football refereeing um, kind of ethos is very, especially at the national level, is very has, has been very focused around mm. fitness. Uh, of course, there is a correlation between fitness and decision making. You know, in terms of the the, the fatigue. Yeah. Uh, in fact, but although I heard um, something really interesting around that today, uh, something I was listening to in terms of the amount of uh, metabolic spend that that our brains just use just um you know sort of in just in itself you know 20 percent of 20 percent of that metabolic burn is actually just cognitive and um yeah. which is which is actually a pretty big percentage um overall so yeah we have to be really we have to be fit and yet has really i'd say it has changed and, and not only is it that we have to be fit but of course we're refereeing players that are generally half our age. So certainly, certainly me yeah. now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And, and the, and the pace of the game has really has increased. And, but then the, the, the game has also evolved in a sense that, um, uh, in probably in 2018, it was much more of a, um, probably a high tempo game. Um, whereas, uh, and so there was probably a bigger, um, emphasis on, um, on like high intensity running, you know, pitch to pitch to, you know, sorry, penalty area to penalty area. And of course, but, and the biggest thing is that you have to be, um, it's that mix of, you've got to be not just be there, but you've got to have this level of decision-making in terms of how to get to the, there the best way. And then once you're there, it's not just standing, but it's actually dynamically moving to, because the picture can constantly changes. Yeah. So, um, and but now the game is such that actually there's there's it's probably broader uh, across the game. It's probably a little more possession based. Uh, so you can you don't have to do so much intense running, you know, from penalty area to penalty area. But once you're in a space, there's a lot more movement around the penalty area. So it's a lot more short, sharp movements. And um, and I'm six three. So I'm not really built for. um for short, quick, dynamic movement. So I've had to, I definitely have to work on that. Um, but then, but I've, 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 you know, I've, that's also, so it's just changed the way I've trained and, and the role that, um, I've always been since I was, uh, probably, mm, I don't know, maybe it was around 15 actually, uh, got a bit of a, got some weights downstairs and, and had a, uh, had a, had a old, um, exercise bike that i just kind of cranked up the uh, resistance <laughs> yeah. on and would just go hard on that um my my had a cousin actually that that gave me a bit he's like oh you don't have, you don't really have a six-pack or anything and uh and so that <laughs> i became pretty focused on doing you know i was doing i was doing a, I, something like a thousand push-ups or sit-ups a week you know trying to focus on that as a as a kid so um so i've always kind of been in and i and i found you know for me that that weight training kind of side in the gym i guess not heavy not really not really heavy stuff but Mm -hmm. um i found that to be my that's a bit of a has always been a little bit of a stress relief for me so yeah um 
I've always had that. And then, you know, working in the type of running that we're doing. So it's developed from, it used to be just long runs. Like we used to, so we get fitness tested, um, which even that has developed. So it used to be the old Cooper test, the 12 minute run as you know, how, yeah. how far. And then it was like a, there's a 200 and a 100 and their sprints and, or, um, so now that's, that's gone. Now it's, uh, the test is now, and it, then it was, then it was, uh, um, 150. So interval running 150 by 50 walk. And then, uh, um, so interval runs, yeah. you had to run 10 laps of that. And then now it's a 75, 25. Um, and that timing is, uh, so it's a 15. So for FIFA standard is 15, 18. So 15 minute, 15 second run, 75 meters, um, 18 second recovery walk, uh, 25 meters. And then you run. So it's again, 40 repetitions, 10 laps is the minimum for that. And then, but before that, then you've got to run, um, generally it's six sprints, six 40 meter sprints in, uh, less than six seconds each with a, a minute yeah. recovery in between. So there's that, that's our more fitness. high intensity. Yeah. Type. That's our fitness training. Yeah. 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 In terms of the standardized tests and then, um, but then to be really, um, I guess effective again, it's that, you know, we, I, we do a lot of training around change of direction, yeah. you know, short, sharp movement. Um, and then trying to now again, um, and a lot of it's done individually. You have to, we don't, we don't normally get the opportunity to train as a, as a team. A, a lot of referees, there are some referees get to train in groups, which is cool depending on ge geographically. But yeah. um, a lot of that is done, you know, it's self-motivated. You've got to, if I'm not in the gym or if I'm not out training, uh, I mean, it's always kind of been my ethos that, that I train when everybody else has stopped training. So it's like, you know, to, let that be the one controllable but um yeah. yeah and then and then it's you know as i've gotten older you know it's kind of like how do you do that and not um not kill my achilles or calf you know if you look <laughs> managing I've, the training I've, life I've, I've, yeah, been, yeah, yeah. I've been i've been fortunate enough not to have too many major injuries but i did um the achilles actually was a bit of an issue for for uh uh a little phase actually in the build up to the um to the world cup in yeah. um 2022 so yeah it's wow. uh yeah. it's definitely it's shifted and you know it's it's been dynamic over those years in terms of 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 how i've how I've viewed my own training but yeah you have to and that's the thing is that people don't really see how much training to to, to operate <laughs> to at that right. level yeah yeah, to, yeah yeah how much training and once they see it people are like oh oh okay I, I think right, I listened to um, Ben O'Keefe. He was on, I think it was the Dom Harvey podcast or something yeah, like that earlier this well. year. I listened yeah, to that and sort of listening yeah. to him describe some of the training and the drills that he does, you know, to make sure he's in the right positions and all of these sorts of things. It's like yeah. you sort of, yeah, when you watch a game of rugby or a game of football, you're not really thinking that much about the referee. Are you? You're kind of mm. watching what the players are doing. But actually, when you take that step back and think, you know, these people have to be really, really fit. But as you said, there's that cognitive decision-making as well under fatigue yeah. and all the pressure as well that comes from the players, the coaches, the spectators, everyone, you know, wanting you to make the right decision for their team. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. 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 And so then how have you managed all of these dynamics? Like I know we've kind of, we've focused a whole lot on the referee side today and we haven't really got to speak um, that much around what you've done for your day job throughout <laughs> these years. Um, but in terms of like managing 
obviously you've got you've been working all the way through there you've been going away for these events and then you've also been raising this family over the last you know 19 years that you mentioned mm. how do you manage to continue to be a good and present father when you've got to do your training you've got to go to work you travel to events like how has that kind of been for you and have you had any big challenges with that yeah i, I hope i've been a, a good <laughs> and present father um uh, I've, I've certainly, you know, that aspired to be. So um, having to work at that has definitely uh, been been really important. And um, mm. sometimes it's been as simple as like incorporating my kids into the training that I'm doing. So, I mean, I remember um, taking them along the, you know, loading up that we had a double um, a double stroller pram. And so I would I could get two in the in the stroller and then one would uh, two of them would probably bike um, by the end of it i could i would generally have all four of them sitting on the stroller with the bike across the um it was one of the you know those ones with the the broad um the broad uh handle you know kind of thing so i could get a bike across that and so i'm pushing that along so um you know there's so, certainly so you take all four yeah, there's yeah. many times when I, uh, down Pioneer Highway, you know that, that yeah. big uh, yeah space. So um, <laughs> we lived out we lived out on Amberley Ave for a while, and um, so yeah, so there's certainly some of that, and you know, and, you know, I've I've taken them down to the to the pitch, you know, when I'm when I'm training and and had them run along and and try not to trip over them or um, yeah, uh, so so some of that's been 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 really good. It's also meant that you know I've had to. It's about getting up and going to the gym at five in the morning so that I can mm. be there for the preschool routine. Plus get myself off to, you know, when I was teaching, get myself out to out the door. Um, probably the best, you know, or the, e I guess the easiest time was when I was, uh, so post world cup in 2018, I was able to step away from, uh, um, teaching and actually of any form and actually was able to, uh, referee full time. So I was traveling mm -hmm. to, to China on the Super League and 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 Saudi in the Pro League, but meant when I was home, I was fully home, so I could fully, you know, I was picking up kids from school and going to the sport events as, you know, as I as as I could make it. So that was really nice. But there's certainly mm -hmm. times when, uh, you know, I I missed out on on time with them. Um, we always tried to uh, make sure that again training i would try to be home for bath time you know that is keep mm. those routines so that um those those sort of things still still happened um but you know they were also uh and i have to you know be yes i am incredibly grateful to my wife because there's it would have been impossible and, and to my kids actually because it would have been impossible um to have done what what i've been fortunate enough to be able to do without their support and and i know yeah. that at times they would probably say you know, actually kind of, kind of sucks doing this, but, um, you know, I, there have been times I've had to, to leave the house. I remember early, you know, go, going down to a match in Wellington or to catch a flight. And, you know, there's two toddlers that are, you know, not in a very happy state and, you know, my wife, not very happy with me. And then, um, I'm having to try and regulate. <laughs> I didn't realize what it, I kind of didn't realize what it was until, the, until, until now, but, um, this whole, view around emotional regulation and whatnot um how important that is yeah. um so I, i've learned those skills over time but um you know there's certainly been some it, it, at times it it has certainly created some some tension um yeah but 
the biggest thing I guess is trying to trying to learn, and that was probably the the thing from uh, actually it's from a mistake I made at the at the um, at the 2016 Olympics. I whistled a penalty that was not a penalty. Um, it's part of why people I think decided, hey, VAR is going to be a good thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I learned this whole. I started it started me on this journey towards understanding actually these these broader you know sort of influences around decision making around me and my team and then that translated into actually you know I've always been I guess motivated to to develop myself personally and so Hmm. applying that into how you know what is it that I need to learn to be a better parent so that actually when I'm home I'm really present I'm not carrying stuff that that actually I can also support support my my kids as they grow into in terms of their own their own development so there's been some there have been some um I think, you know, refereeing has been a, a good pathway or a good avenue for learning a lot of those skills. And actually, as long as I don't apply them too much like a referee at home, um, like, I've been, like, don't use that referee hand with me. I'm like, oh, oh no, sorry. Um, as long as you haven't got your yeah, weapon out. Yeah, yeah no, no. And never the cards. Never Flag. The cards. No, no. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that... that you know, parenting has actually taught me a lot about how to, and teaching as well, have taught me a lot about how to be a better referee. Um, mm. And then at the same time, then trying to use those skills around what I'm hopefully learning or developing through the, that craft of refereeing to actually try to keep me agile and learning and, and whatnot um, on the field play at home as a parent. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess there there would be a lot of crossover there, eh, between the refereeing, the teaching, and the parenting. Like each of mm. those things have, you know, quite a few similarities, um, and mm. probably quite a few learnings that you can take from one to the other, which I think is always always valuable. You know, those transferable skills and things that kind of just, you know, <laughs> being aware of yourself and you know yeah. how to how to respond to situations yeah. because it's all yeah. you know there's always challenging stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. I just see the time here and I realize we probably need to get into our final three because as, sure. as we mentioned before, we both have uh, dinner appointments being public holiday. I'm assuming yes. it's, you know, <laughs> same as us, friends coming over for dinner or something like that. That's, so, that's the one. Yeah. So let's jump into those final three, man. So right. um, the first question we have here in the final three is what is a tip or word of advice that you would have for a new dad or a new parent? So someone in those first few years, obviously selfishly asking this being a father in those first few years. Yeah, I think um, for me, it's probably, I really value staying curious, staying open to learning and, um, and really viewing parenting as a learning opportunity in terms of, you know, that whole thing of, I guess, not to relate everything back to refereeing, but you know, you're not always going to get everything right. And that's okay Mm. because sometimes what we don't get right can actually be the biggest learning tool for us, you know, moving forward and, um, you know, and, and, and not being too hard on, on, if I were to go back and, uh, you know, talk to myself as a, as a young dad, don't be a too hard on myself in terms of wanting to, you know, get everything right, get all the, um, you know, make sure the routine's really in place and, and, you know, everything's got, if they don't, you know, if they're not, um, following instructions or whatever, uh, and especially in public, not 
kind of sometimes it's like not worrying. Don't, don't sometimes just don't have to. You just can't sweat that stuff, right? It's like yeah, um, yeah. They're you know the kid the 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 children that that we get are I guess privileged, blessed to to have as part of our life and the influence that that they're having as much influence on us as we're having on them. Um, mm-hmm. If we if we let it, we can let you know they we've got a, we've we can learn so much about um, ourselves and about uh, about being agile and 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 growing with them. I think mm-hmm. is is probably the biggest thing that I'd want to remind myself of as a as a young parent. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like the idea of learning from from your kids as well because I think yeah. you definitely catch yourself sometimes. You're like, hang on, and then it yeah. gives you a chance to kind of evaluate yourself a bit more too and hopefully improve something um second question we've got here is um a new habit or something that you might have changed in the last sort of i don't know within the last year or so is there anything new that you've implemented that you found really valuable in terms of a habit or something you do regularly i'm a pretty routine guy anyway uh so i've um i don't know that i necessarily have too much new although i have been i have stuck to within the last year i've um i've picked up duolingo in terms of I've, yeah I, I've, I've have a bit of spanish um from from my background and spanish is quite useful on the um on the international football field mm-hmm. so and and i want to again stay learning so i've i've um <laughs> i definitely have try to maintain my habit of and it's probably the only it's one that one area where that whole streak thing has been um you know so so myself my daughter and then um my wife was for a time but she stopped but um so my 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 wife and my daughter have a sorry myself and my youngest daughter have a a bit of a streak going with duolingo where she's learning japanese i'm learning yeah or practicing spanish so sticking at, to that for that streak at the moment oh i think i'm at 400 and uh five days or something like that now so over yeah. a year which is yeah which is it was hard yeah. once i got to the year i was like yes and then it was hard to, now it's kind of like now you, now you can't kinda, stop exactly <laughs> yeah it's like oh can i i can't let that go so um but that's but that's been good but i really want to properly become i'd love to become conversational in spanish so mm. but at least mm. that's a start <laughs> um and then the last one here does do you have any book and or podcast recommendations mm. yeah i I use the um, I listen to my podcast when I'm at the gym, so I do get I do have a few um, favorites around there. Uh, so I, at the moment I'm reading uh, just slowly, but uh, working my way through Adam Grant's new book, Hidden Potential, uh, yeah. which is which is really good. Um, I'm I'm really interested in in um, the, that character. I've always again since yeah for a while but really specifically you know focused on those sort of character skills what they mm. call soft skills but i think character skills which is what the term he uses which is a much better way to describe it and um the role of emotion in decision making so um yeah, yeah uh so that's that's a a current tie-in but um yeah anything along those lines um i, I was sad that or i do miss that um brene brown is no longer um working in the podcast space for the for her two podcasts i was an avid listener of of the work that she was doing and of course all the work that she's done around um i guess bringing uh emotional understanding into the probably the present a lot of present day conversation that was Mm -hmm. that was um and and that role of vulnerability that's in there so um 
yeah, so those are probably the uh, certainly the themes or the, the you know when I look listen to podcasts, that's kind of where I'm looking to learn. And then yeah, on the book side, that's it's up recently. Awesome, Matthew. I really appreciate you coming on and I appreciate your insights. And, you know, I, I haven't spoken to, I think you might be my first referee um, you know, that I've actually wow. spoken to. So it's really interesting to get those insights. And obviously being a local Palmerstonian, um, we should probably catch up again at some stage. Yeah, it was absolutely. great to get to know you a bit. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can talk again. Yeah, fantastic. Really appreciate the opportunity. It's always good to, to be able to talk with, again, mixing the I like the way that you've mixed both the, the the parenting side and the and the sports side and seeing how those sort of intersect and and of course anytime there's an opportunity to to talk about refereeing and to <laughs> to um yeah make those connections uh, you know I'm very very eager and, and interested so thank you very much for your time I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. If you found anything within this episode valuable, please be sure to share it with someone else who you think might benefit from its content. Don't forget to give the podcast a rating on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to follow along with what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at hjp underscore stronger dads. Right, we'll see you on the next one.